Support for This Is Normal comes from Bell & Health. If you or someone you know needs help, don't wait and know the signs. Visit bellin.org signs for more information. Hey everyone, this is Rob Mentzer. I just wanted to let you know, this season of This Is Normal is six episodes long, and this is episode five, so we are almost at the end of our run. But we will be back, and we're looking for new stories to share. If you or someone you know has a story that we should tell on this podcast, please reach out to us. You can email the show at thisisnormal at gannett.com. About a year ago, we had this great big epiphany that basically life kind of sucked, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just awful. All Jesse was thinking about all the time was how to engage in certain behaviors and not engage in other behaviors. It was like training a dog. And it, it was heartbreaking to wake up and realize I, I've been treating my child kind of like a trainable dog. That's Carla Pennington Cross, and she's talking about her 12-year-old daughter, Jessie. Jessie has struggled with anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder, and the family has struggled to get help for her. It got to the point last year where they were in an intensive behavioral modification therapy program, and it wasn't an easy decision. None of them were easy decisions, but they decided to give it up. They're trying an approach Carla calls radical acceptance, and not just in their home, but also in Jesse's school and their community. Welcome to This Is Normal, a podcast where young people, and sometimes their family and friends, share their stories about mental health challenges. Because we all struggle sometimes, and talking about it can help. I'm Rory Lenane. And I'm Rob Menser. I talked with Anissa Johnson, a reporter with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who interviewed Jesse and her mom late last year. Anissa, you spent some time getting to know Jesse and Carla. How did you meet them? Well, I was introduced to Jesse and her mom through Rory. I had known that Jesse had testified last year before the legislature on mental health care in schools, and I was really interested in speaking with her and hearing her story. So I spent a little time with her family at their home and then also interviewed her at her school. Jessie's a sixth grader at Glen Hills Middle School in suburban Milwaukee, and she's just trying to live her life as a normal, happy kid. That's been really difficult for her for the last couple of years. I'll let her talk about it. My diagnosis is I have anxiety disorder, I have OCD, OCD, Tourette's syndrome, syndrome, depression, depression, goofiness, goofiness, yeah. And the earliest earliest diagnosis of me ever was the cutest baby ever on earth. My tics I used to have was showing the middle finger and saying the N-word and like resting crotches, humping, and a lot of uh, more inappropriate things. Yeah, because your your mind your mind got stuck on taboo mm-hmm. stuff, things that you're not mm-hmm. supposed to talk about or do. That's been kind of difficult for her for the last couple of years. Jesse talks about that period of severe tics as stressful and overwhelming. She would have these outbursts at school and was suspended. Some kids would say things to trigger her tics because they thought they were funny. 
I did get teased a little bit. They told me like, like, hey, hey, like, like, hey, scream, hey, hump, hump. Or hey, go pull down your pants. That was one, right? Go pull down your pants. So these are tics that kids knew that she had and then they would come try to trigger them. It's pretty hurtful. But then did you finally realize that's not, that's not what friends do? I realized that like a, mm, a earlier, like not that long ago. Jesse started seeing a counselor at about age four, but even as a very young child, her parents recognized that there was something special about her. From very early on, Jesse was challenging. <laughs> She's a challenging baby. She was just she was just more, you know, she was more emotional, more excitable. Mm -hmm. When Jesse got angry as a toddler, she got like so angry and her tantrums lasted so long but then when she was joyful or happy it was like it was like sunshine was in the room with you but it was exhausting and then eventually we got the labels and we started to see that those qualities that made her very intense and very observant were elements of anxiety and OCD like her hypervigilance but the first diagnosis was but the, the major major effects like Third, like five, three, two, like yeah, four. Yeah, when you were like four, four or five is when we first went to a mm -hmm. therapist. And then fourth grade is when the really tough time started, mm -hmm. when the really bad ticks yeah. came on. The start of middle school was particularly difficult. Jessie was suspended for her behaviors at school. Their family and school lives were just consumed by this behavioral modification therapy, which Carla describes as transactional or a widget factory. You control this behavior and you earn a reward. At one point, Jessie had an aide who accompanied her to her classes at school, and her life was so regimented she had a timer on her ankle. So it just reached a point where they couldn't do it anymore. Everything in their lives had taken a backseat to this therapy. Jesse was doing no extracurricular activities. There was no time even just to be family, she said. We got rid of the timer, we got rid of your personal aid, got rid of all those crazy rules, and then we just went through this period of kind of what I would describe as radical acceptance. And the school seemed as ready for it as we were. I remember coming into a meeting and saying, you know what, let's just stop. I don't want to do it anymore. Let's just let Jesse be a kid. And then that's when stuff started getting a lot better, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah, and we went back to extracurriculars, and there's just been this tremendous amount of acceptance since last year. And if you talk about it here in school, what teachers tell us is, well, it's because we're open. That's been a big part of it. You know, there, there's not a lot of mystery. Kids know what Jesse's been through, and there are enough kids who know that whenever anyone's mean to you, there's always someone there to show you kindness, right? Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? I don't know. You tell me. You're yeah, the one who's here. I would agree with that. School is much better for Jessie this year, she says, because she has lots of friends and resources she can use. Her best bud, Simon, he sat with us the day we interviewed her at school. She plays trumpet in the school band. To calm herself, she writes poetry or makes this gooey, putty-like stuff she calls slime. Their family's really open about their experience. Last spring, Jesse testified at the Wisconsin legislature in support of mental health services at schools. Carla blogs, with Jesse's consent, about their day-to-day -day struggles. 
and mom and daughter have collaborated on a presentation at a mental health conference. Jessie thinks the intensive therapy helped her some, but Carla still struggles with her decision to put her daughter through it. I mean, we've come to see Jessie's time in intensive therapy, which covered about eight or nine months as basically a, a period of trauma. I mean, Jessie would go to these last sessions. You'd just scream at us, mm -hmm. right? She just screamed and screamed and refused to participate. And we were basically told, well, therapy isn't working because Jessie's non-compliant. In other words, it's her fault. So, you know, and I would say to the doctors, you're the experts. Can't, how come you can't find a way to make it palatable to her? And, they, you know, they'd tell us to make sticker charts and behavior charts and and it was, it was just back to dog training. So in the end, you know, for us, we just realized we needed a more organic, more connected approach. And for us, that's this idea of coming back into the community, building natural supports, friendships, being open and honest about who Jessie is, looking for the right people who will support her, the families that will welcome us and vice versa. That's what's healing her right now. Not going in and doing sticker charts and behavior charts and timers and all that. So I'm not saying we're opposed to medical interventions. Jesse still sees a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. right? So we manage with meds. And you chose to go back to a therapist mm -hmm. just a month or two ago. Yeah. I chose to um, go to a, a new therapist about talking about my feelings because um, I recently was starting to feel so, so, so sad that thinking about going to school just made me so, so, so sad. Like, I couldn't live with it anymore, and like, I could just couldn't do it every day. Jesse's like, you know, when you step back all the behavior therapy and everyone telling you about all these behaviors you have to fix, what I see in you is, you know, what I see in Jesse is a hero. She's one of the most courageous, tenacious little kids I know. She's never given up. She's never quit. You just have to become your own hero, right? Someday. So it's been a few months since you last talked to Jessie and her mom. What's new in her life? You know, their experiences, particularly Jessie's experience testifying at the legislature and presenting at the mental health conference, those have prompted Carla to launch a new initiative she's calling Tiny Voices. It's this idea of helping young people like Jesse be their own advocates, be their own, be, be able to tell their own stories. And that got underway this year. And I guess lastly, I would say this, that there can be this tendency to let these labels, these diagnoses define a child like Jessie, and they, they really don't. She's just so much more than that. She's funny and smart and empathetic, and she's really insightful about herself and the world around her. She read us a poem. I want to share it with you. On perfect pages, the home of the heart and eternal life happiness the thing that helps us stitch together our lives in hard times, happiness. The thing that tapes up the torn pages of days with dust scattered all around us, happiness. Calculated life. You are a calculator and you have to get every single answer right on every single first try. If you don't get it right, you are labeled called a glitch, a malfunction. A prisoner will call a mechanic, but people look at you from inside out without and decide you're not worth it. The little calculator, which is you, called a malfunction, a story glitch. 
but instead people should call you a presentation of normal and extraordinary life. This is Normal is supported by Bell & Health. Bell & Health believes we all benefit from greater awareness of mental health issues and how they affect us, our friends, our neighbors, and our loved ones. Bell & exists to improve the physical and mental health of our communities and our region. Through Bell & support of This is Normal and USA Today Network's Kids in Crisis series on youth mental health, it is helping bring to light the issues affecting young people at a critical time in their lives. If you're concerned about someone you feel is headed for a crisis, don't be concerned about saying something and don't wait. Know the signs. Please visit bellin.org slash signs for more information. So for the past few months, we have been holding town hall events across Wisconsin as part of our Kids in Crisis series. We wanted to shine a spotlight on the issue of youth mental health and we wanted people to hear from young people in their communities sharing their own stories of their mental health challenges. It's kind of amazing. These young people got up in front of a group of people and talked about some of their most personal challenges and what they need from their communities. And we wanted to share some of that with you. And I remember her kneeling down with me and grabbing my hands and my arms and just screaming, Katrina, please come back. Katrina, don't leave. Don't leave. Some days I would rather just lay in bed all day than do anything else. Not because I wanted to, not because I was tired or lazy, but because fighting my own brain 24-7 is exhausting. And sometimes it took all of my energy just to sit up, open my eyes, and have a drink of water. One night we received a phone call that one of my best friends had suddenly passed away from a viral infection that attacked her heart in the middle of the night. I got bullied a lot in elementary school. I had a unibrow, I had glasses, and curly hair that I had no idea how to deal with. When my best friend of four years said that we could no longer be friends, it came as a complete shock to me. The first thing I remember feeling was sadness as well as just confusion. I was a senior in high school. I was going through the graduation process. Super exciting time in my life, but I felt not myself. I became very isolated. I remember her bringing down a brown bag to lunch every day and just taking a soda out of it. She would drink the soda, throw it away with the rest of the bag. I didn't question it. I mean, are 12 year olds supposed to monitor their friends' eating behavior or watch to ensure their friends aren't starving themselves? At that point, I decided that if guys don't respect my body, why should I? And I started drinking and I started smoking weed and I started cutting myself because I hated who I was. I just never really have that good of a day or that bad of a day. I'm always in a meh kind of state, which with high school is like double. I did some very harmful things to myself. I was cutting myself and then I took 20 ibuprofen three times a day throughout the day. And an eye-opening experience for me at that point was when I came into the institution, I got to get out of my hospital gown and my parents had brought me clothes and they brought me some sweatpants. 
And so I got in my sweatpants and they said that I could not have the string in the sweatpants. That I had to take it out. The social stigma that is around mental illness is that it's a taboo topic and we shouldn't talk about it out loud. And I feel like that is wrong and I feel like that is what has helped me the most. And while mental illnesses can really, really suck, we have to remember that our brains are also really, really cool. We have to work hard at a lot of things in order to survive, and it doesn't seem fair until we look at the payoff. Van Gogh, someone who I really, really look up to, had depression. Alexander Hamilton had bipolar disorder. Edward Munch, the painter of the scream, you know, the one which is, ah. <laughs> He had anxiety. That painting was actually a depiction of a panic attack. On average, a person dates six people throughout their lives. Your parents had to be at the right place, the right time to meet each other. They both had to say the right things to want to get together. One mistake and they could go their separate ways. Now take that idea and apply it, apply it to your grandparents or their great-grandparents. You were put here for a reason, even if it isn't clear now. Thank you so much. Our thanks to Katrina Mazier, Nikita Crisco, Nicole Gosca, Ethan Laska, McKenna Kaminsky, Caitlin Akey, and everyone who shared their stories at our live events. You guys are awesome. Next week on This Is Normal, Nick Becker's dad died by suicide when Nick was just a kid. Today, Nick is a poet and spoken word artist, and he talks about his own mental health struggles in his art. Why can't we be open instead of being broken when it comes to suicide? We put up a high tide of no, don't talk about that. It's not something you share. It's like, do you even care? If my dad died of a heart attack, well, in fact, people seem to sympathize more because it's easier to hear for the ear. See, the fear is in suicide, but I feel it's very vital. Support for This Is Normal also comes from Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. Children's Hospital of Wisconsin has a vision that Wisconsin kids will be the healthiest in the nation. Supporting kids and teens' mental and behavioral health is a key part of achieving that vision. They are committed to programs and services that help build resilience, promote mental health, and support families. Visit chw.org talk for more information. This is Normal was produced by Alexandra Wimley, Jana Rose Schleiss, Rick Wood, Bill Schultz, and me, Rob Menser. It is a production of USA Today Network Wisconsin and part of our ongoing series of reporting on youth mental health called Kids in Crisis. You can find more of our reporting at postcrescent.com slash kidsincrisis. And we're hosting a live event in Madison on May 10th. It will be our day of action for youth mental health. You can find information on that on the USA Today Network Wisconsin Facebook pages, and we'd love to have you join us. If you'd like to share your reactions to this show or reach out, I'm on Twitter at Robert Menser, or you can email us at thisisnormal at gannett.com. Help us reach more people by sharing this podcast with your friends on social media, by sponsoring billboards on heavily trafficked roads in your area, or whatever you can do. If you or someone you know is dealing with suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or text HOPELINE to the National Crisis Text Line at 741-741. We all struggle sometimes, 
and it's good to get help.